The yeas are 57. The nays are 43. Two-thirds of the senators present not having voted guilty. The Senate judges that the respondent, Donald John Trump, former president of the United States, is not guilty as charged in the article of impeachment. A historic moment as the United States Senate voted to acquit former President Donald Trump in his second impeachment trial after a brief Saturday morning surprise. Hello, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is a special edition of the CNN political briefing. Here's what you need to know about the second impeachment trial of Donald John Trump. As the United States Senate convened for the final history-making day of this second impeachment trial of President Trump, it did not go according to plan. Everyone sort of thought they were gathering to go right to closing arguments, have the vote, get out of town for the president's day recess. That is what ultimately happened, but it was a flurry of activity in the morning on Saturday because the House managers, who had not at all given a hint that they were going to call witnesses, all of a sudden took into account a late Friday night report from CNN's Jamie Gangel and a public statement from Republican Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler of Washington State retelling her understanding from Kevin McCarthy about the conversation he had with President Trump in the midst of the insurrection on January 6th. And as she revealed more details publicly and as Jamie Gingell reported, the House managers felt it was relevant to their case to get to Donald Trump's state of mind that he was actually telling Kevin McCarthy, well, perhaps these people are a lot more upset than you are, Kevin, about the outcome of this election. Almost sort of cheering on his supporters for doing something about the election not going their way. This went to the very heart of the arguments that the House managers had been making. And so they all of a sudden said they wanted to call witnesses. And so a vote was had and it succeeded. The Senate voted 55 to 45 to allow the House managers to call witnesses. That threw everything off. That could have delayed this trial for weeks. Depositions, getting all the preparations together for witnesses. Who would the witnesses be? The House managers indicated they wanted to call Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler. But then Trump's defense attorney said, well, if you're going to call a witness, we're going to call 100 witnesses. His aides were holding a list of some 300 potential witnesses trying to turn the impeachment trial into a circus, no doubt, if it had gone down this road. Well, this quickly came to a conclusion when Democratic and Republican senators got together and realized it was in no one's political interest here for this trial to be elongated. Even though there was pressure on the Democrats from their base, they wanted to see witnesses. They wanted to see the full and complete prosecution of the case. But it took Democratic senators to sort of explain to the House managers that they were at the very height of their argument that whoever they were going to get on the Republican side to vote to convict, they might lose some of those folks if this dragged on for days to come. And that their case had been made, that adding witnesses, adding even this one witness, would not alter the outcome of the vote, nor would it increase anyone's ability to say, oh, now, now they've really made their case. The Democratic senators were telling the House managers, you guys did a good job. You made the case on the facts. And so... The agreement was both sides stipulated to putting Jamie Herrera Butler's statement into the record as part of the official record of the impeachment trial. Once that was dispatched with, the trial moved on to closing arguments, and Democrats turned to the fact that each member of this jury of 100 senators was an actual witness to the charges they were bringing against the president. 
Here's House Manager Joe Neguse. And we know this case isn't one that requires a complicated legal analysis. You all, you lived it. The managers and I, we lived it. Our country lived it. The president in public view, right out in the open, incited a violent mob. A mob that temporarily, at least, stopped us from certifying an election. Donald Trump's defense team continued its week-long attempt at distraction and whataboutism and downright untruths on the floor of the Senate as they were arguing the case. Here was counsel to the former president, Mr. Vanderveen. Their closing did not mention one piece of law. They didn't talk about the Constitution once. They didn't talk about the First Amendment and its application. They didn't talk about due process and how it applies to this proceeding for my client. The vote was 43 not guilty to 57 guilty, short of the 67 guilty votes needed in order to convict the president. In the end, seven Republicans joined with every Democrat in voting to convict the former president. Richard Burr of North Carolina, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Mitt Romney of Utah, Ben Sass of Nebraska, and Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania. Senator Burr of North Carolina was probably the biggest surprise. He had voted with his Republican colleagues, the majority of them, in assessing that the trial was not constitutional, that because Donald Trump was a former president, that the Senate should not be conducting this trial. That was the sort of technical cop-out loophole excuse that a lot of Republicans were hanging their hats on as to why they voted to acquit yesterday. But Richard Burr said, well, once the Senate decided and voted that it was indeed constitutional, he assessed the arguments on the merits and came to the conclusion that the president was guilty and voted to convict. Bill Cassidy had indicated that he was open-minded to a conviction when he voted with all the Democrats in a previous vote that the trial was indeed constitutional. So that argument did not ring true with Cassidy. So he ended up voting to convict. And I think the other five were quite clear from the get-go that they were most likely to be voting to convict. So that's seven senators who voted to convict. A year ago in the first impeachment trial, it was only one, Mitt Romney, standing alone among his Republicans, in voting to convict the president. Now, that number grew to seven. And remember, in the House a year ago, zero Republicans voted to impeach Donald Trump. This time around, 10 Republicans voted to impeach Donald Trump. There's no doubt that the numbers grew among Republicans to hold the president accountable, but not to a sufficient level to actually get a conviction. After the vote, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer tore into the Senate's decision to acquit the former president. He called the vote un-American. The former president inspired, directed, and propelled a mob to violently prevent the peaceful transfer of power, subvert the will of the people, and illegally keep that president in power. There is nothing, nothing more un-American than that. There is nothing, nothing more antithetical to our democracy. Then, in perhaps the most stunning speech of the day, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell gave remarks that sounded like he was a House manager. He took the president to task, and he said that the House managers basically proved their case on the facts. Of course, he did not believe it was constitutional 
that they were holding this trial, and that's why he voted to acquit. But he voted to acquit while also trying to scold the president and move the Republican Party beyond President Trump's grip on it. It's hard to try to do both of those things at the same time, when at the end of the day, your vote is not to hold him accountable. Here was Mitch McConnell. There's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. No question about it. If President Trump were still in office, I would have carefully considered whether the House managers proved their specific charge. But in this case, the question is moot because former President Trump is constitutionally not eligible for conviction. It was a pretty sad day in American history because on January 6th, we all experienced the trauma of an attack on our democracy, of an attempt designed and stoked by the president of the United States to overturn a just and fair election to try to hang on to power, where loss of life occurred at the very citadel of our democracy, the U.S. Capitol, all for this attempt to upend the will of the people. That was a trauma, a trauma suffered by each and every one of us. And at the end of the day, because of our broken politics, because of a Republican Party that is in the grips of Donald Trump, the accountability is not there for that trauma. And that begs the larger question going forward. Donald Trump is probably at the lowest point he's been at politically overall. And yet inside the Republican Party, he still has power, maybe diminished power. Yes, seven senators voted guilty. Yes, 10 House members voted to impeach. So yes, maybe diminished power, but still significant power. And a majority of Republicans still want to prove their loyalty to him. And now we watch for the next two years to see how Republicans move through this post-Trump era and how much they are still committed to a loyalty test to one man over the advancement, the healing, the unifying of America. That's it for today's special edition of the CNN Political Briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And please take a moment and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. CNN Political Briefing is a production of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is the executive producer and Haley Thomas is the senior producer. Raj Makija is our senior production manager. Our episodes are produced by Will Cadigan, Mimi Mutesa, David Toledo, and engineered by Francisco Monroy. We'll talk to you tomorrow.